This is Samson Love, also known as Alchemist MC, here to bring y'all straight to the G.O.D. So what I've got to present to you is a bit longer than the other episodes, and some context is it's an event that I threw with Ocho the Owl called The God Topic. And we had a wonderful hostess and two wonderful guests, and it was a smaller event, and it's going to bring forth many more events of the like, and... I think it would be really beautiful if you were to listen to it and feel the community, lots of male and female energy, just marinate in and contemplate different people's understandings of life and faith and consciousness in a way that's really collaborative and heartwarming. So that said, enjoy the God topic. here in the recording, so maybe we'll do like a bit of a formal opening prayer and start talking about God. So this event is called The God Topic, and it's open to people of all faiths and people that are interfaith and agnostic and atheist and anything like that. It's all welcome because all of our processes kind of work together to uplift each other. There's meaning in every belief and feeling and understanding, dark or light or neutral. So, I call upon the light behind the eyes of all the masters throughout the ages to come present with us now. Directions and the elements. And all of our family, known and unknown, seen and unseen, far and wide, be here with us and support us for the benefit of all beings and our highest good, our deepest learning, nourishment, and peace. Invoke the law of blessings, the law of one, the law of grace. The entire host of angels and masters. And together, with each person's prayer, formal or informal, um, we ask that we open medicine space for the duration of this meeting that will be done. pleasure to host people here. This place is a very special place. I'm the keeper of this place. It's important to have gatherings like this. Hopefully this will be the first of many such gatherings. I think that's one of the societal ills right now is that we don't talk we don't get together and share very much. So my friend and I were talking about God, <laughs> the God topic. Kind of a vast topic, isn't it? <laughs> and I was raised as a Tibetan Buddhist. I mean, when I say raised, I've practiced very sincerely since I was 17 um, with a very, very uh, powerful teacher who's a crazy wisdom guru. I say was because he's no longer in a body. He, but I knew him very well, very well. And uh, as a Tibetan Buddhist, you're a non-theist, which means you're not neither believing in God or not believing in God. It's not, it's not um, a topic. <laughs> oh my God, topic. <laughs> uh, but since 
then I actually can see it. I can understand it both ways. Uh, God, uh, no God. But the idea of non-theist is not even talking about God. It's, the topic is, it, it's a non-topic. Because Buddhism suggests that it's all you. It's all you, completely and totally, not you, the ego you, or the identity, but the, but the source of all creation, all manifestation, all everything is, is here. It's an extremely intro, introspective approach. I don't know if I'm very qualified to talk more about it, but uh, I think I'll leave it at that and maybe come back. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's a great idea for a format to, if we prefer, it's all optional, but to start with what religion or lack thereof we were raised with and how we feel now, and then just kind of go, go from there with a heart-based discussion of whatever comes. So I was raised in a Jewish family, and my grandparents were Orthodox, and my parents were Reformed. And I go back to the 13th tribe of the, the Holy of Holies um, genetically, which is pretty interesting. I didn't find that out till later in life. My family wasn't even aware of it. Um, <clears throat> but I was born... You know how babies have that DMT trip for a year when their eyes are, their pupils are really big and they're in the super learning state, super cute, make everyone smile. I had that for four years, and during that time I learned to talk and think and interact with humanity, but I had all sorts of connection. The closest thing I've ever heard described to it on Earth is the beatific vision of saints. Um, I was at one of Paramahansa Yogananda's sites, and I heard about that, and I was fell on my knees and cried because I never heard something on earth so accurately describe what I felt as a child. It was nice to start figuring out how to relate. So of course, you know, in a lot of different religions, not just Judaism and even cultures that don't consider themselves to be religion, just ways of looking at life, there's dogma, like ways that people assume things are and what you're supposed to do and what's right, not the air quotes, because a lot of those things cause depression or pain and they're not exactly compassion or universal love or clarity. So having such a deep experience of that and recalling not just other lives like in the past or the future but being present with multiple I guess versions of myself but as me not as different people. It felt a little bit weird to be in a world where other people didn't remember or experience that directly. And when I was a kid, there was a part of me that didn't really know that people weren't in touch in the same way I was, because I was just like, oh, this is, this is the human game. Okay, here we are. <laughs> so um, I went on an interesting journey of trying to love and respect my family and be close to them, but also trying to explore what spirituality was to me and to find something that felt in alignment and not repressed. And it was a long journey, and a lot of it was beautiful, and there were two instances where I was asked to kind of dampen my, my memories and my abilities to do healings on people and know things and be present to understand humanity and understand my purpose here. And um, so now, I don't know if interfaith is the right way to say it, because I don't believe everything that everyone believes, but um, I'm open to the suggestion of everything, and I reference my heart, and it's my direct experience, and so I can say belief, because I'm humble with what I experienced, that each of our hearts is the word of God, which is like our true self as we all evolve to the point where we're the totality, and remember that. Um, it's the word of the fullness of that selfhood customized to each of us, the piece that we're identifying with, and so the whole follow your heart thing. The Dalai Lama said his religion is kindness. You kind of expect this in Buddhism because he's the leader of it. But so I guess the follow your heart is the closest thing I could say I have to a religion that each person.
his heart is coming from that source of supreme intelligence and speaking to them in their language. That's why I love the universal language. So, uh, yeah. Raised with Judaism, and now my version of love. <laughs> what kind of stone is this, by the way? <laughs> I think it's some kind of agate. Ah. Uh, one of my first memories was walking into this enormous uh, cathedral church thing at about five years old and being put in line so that I can receive the, what's the Catholic church thing when they give you the little, uh, wafer. The, the wafer thing and just I, I'm a little brown skinned four year old version of me like kind of like yeah yeah and then they, I, as I got to the person who was giving out the thing like no you can't do the thing because of like whatever reason and even at five I was like oh fuck you dude what do I have to do what do I have to do huh at five so I was like eh. and I just kind of remember going back to the little pew thing thinking what isn't the like won't the thing give you what you need why do I have to fill out a which, which was, I distinctly remember being odd. Just, I just remember, like, it, it'll, it'll give you the, it'll give you the thing. I don't have to fill out the whatever. And that, just looking back on it, I was weird. Um, uh, my folks then uh, changed uh, belief systems into Jehovah's Witness, which was more requirements. You gotta dress up, you gotta go knock on the Hey, do you wanna get the pamphlet and the thing and that? Which again, I was like, I don't wanna. And again, there's always been that, won't the, the thing itself give you the, the whatever you Thanks. need? <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as I kind of parted ways, like, I'm just gonna do my own thing, and they were upset. Sure enough. Lo and behold, <laughs> it, it, hey, here's this book about the whatever. And then that book, of course, led to the other ones, and then the thing, the people, and the hair, and the, the, the. So my, my experience, uh, kicking and screaming included, I was being real, has been that God, Spirit, the eternal now, always gives you the next, like the next piece is always either there or it's on its way. And just trusting in that, kicking and screaming or not, has been my experience of the, the divine God. Uh, and that's, that's still, that's yet to not be so. Which is cool. It'll it'll it, it's on automatic. The the whatever it's it's on. You don't have to do you don't have to do very very much. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, raised not with us in a strong religion. It was Protestant, and um, my mother basically would join a church when we moved somewhere just for the social aspect of it. And one of my memories was going to Sunday school and um, and I never wanted to go. I was made to go. Um, and they were talking about the virgin birth. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no sense to me and they shut me down and um, then when I was so I had to keep going to Sunday school and when I was 12 my parents said okay you have the choice you don't have to you can do whatever you want you don't have to go to Sunday school anymore I went it, it's your choice I'm like cool I'm out of here <laughs> and 
then they then I thought, well, I'll explore other other religions, and I I really liked the Baptist Church because they had a great bowling alley, and uh, <laughs> I had a friend who was a Baptist, so so. My father, who was a theosophist, was really quite horrified that I was interested in the Baptist church. He didn't know, <laughs> he didn't know it was the bowling alley. And um, so I, I explored a bunch of things, and then I just went, no, this, this organized religion thing is not for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, Fast forward to the age of 21, where I had my first wedding anniversary with my first husband, and my brother brought me to Ojai. And um, and then this, this whole other spiritual world opened up for me, and it's interesting to find myself back here after quite a few years. And, um, being in this conversation. <laughs> um, organized religion as well. So I grew up um, in some respects in Judaism. Um, my father was Jewish and my mother's heart. And, but the religion is carried through the maternal line. So we didn't have a lot of the cultural aspects of it, but my father, as I got older, I came to realize I was immensely spiritual and religious on a personal level, but not necessarily on that broader sort of sort of cultural level that Judaism sort of works on. And we grew up between London and Bahamas. In Bahamas, there ain't no Jews. So that's <laughs> really interesting. So my early experiences of organized religion were in a synagogue in London which was quite orthodox, um, which didn't sort of match my home life in a way. And I remember women and men were um, segregated, and I was young and my mother never went. So I often was sitting on my own as a child in an upper area. It was dark, it was depressing, and only recently I came to realize it was actually full of Holocaust survivors because in London in the 70s and 80s, um, there were a lot of refugees. So it was immensely heavy. Um, and so that was one aspect. And then in the Bahamas, my other aspect of religion was going as a small child to friends, Baptist or Pentecostal churches and kick off your shoes to the Lord and being the only white people in there. And it was a lot more fun because <laughs> there was no AC. And, um, and so that was another version of God. And um, so there was those kind of currents running through. Um, and then the other current was the fact that um, I sort of as a child connected to spirits and spiritual life, I mean not spiritual life, spirits I could feel and hear and I lived, we lived in a house that had a big history and a lot of different people knocking around and so that was a big part of my childhood Um, and then we left that house and then I lived in one or two places as an adult but also had active histories and and I remember my 20s trying to shut it out because it was too much. And it was just like, I didn't want to engage uh, too much because it was really overwhelming. And then also in my early 20s, I kind of started doing a lot of yoga. So that was sort of one aspect of my spiritual journey. Um, and uh, so since then, God has taken on, I suppose a lot of it is for me is about kindness. Um, a lot of it is about living from your heart with authenticity. Um, and then, you know, I have a 10 year old son who is also very, very connected, probably more than I am. And uh, so that's an interesting journey, raising a spiritual child um, who lives in that world a lot too, um, and sort of navigating that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He doesn't question the existence of God. Um, uh, but he's had no organized religion at all. Although he was born in Rome and the nuns saved him at the age of two months in the Vatican and Children's Hospital. And uh, 
and he spent a lot of time crawling in and out of Catholic churches, uh, in pews and sort of confessionals as a baby, and sort of, <laughs> that was his, um, and then he went to synagogue for the first time last year in Santa Barbara. Um, he'd never been to synagogue, and that was an interesting, sort of, um, and then, but he identifies himself now as Jewish, even though he's had no Jewish, and even recently he was like, oh my God, I'm half Catholic. <laughs> it was like a nightmare. <laughs> and so, anyway, I don't know how he. So he sort of looks at organised religion, but he hasn't had a traditional uh, religious education at all. So, it's, but he's lived in many different cultures and, and countries. And osmosis. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and he's a really spiritual child. So that's so I'm sort of navigating the world through his journey as well and his perspective, so that's where I am right now, I guess. Oh. I, as a baby, I remember this, being a baby, Someone's hat is ringing. Talk <laughs> about spiritual. Yeah, super spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> I remember lying in bed at, like at nap time, thinking, you know, what what's the what's the deal here? You know, like, <laughs> I always had this, like, big question to get, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. It's the only thing that mattered to me. It's still the only thing that matters to me is to understand this existence, you know, so not being raised as particularly anything, uh, I tried on everything. I went to church, I'd look around, and I'd see people singing, and they weren't sincere. That was the thing that bugged me about it. It wasn't what they were singing or what anyone was saying. It was that their heart wasn't in it. And I'm like, why don't you sing the thing? You know, whatever you're singing, if you're already singing, why don't you sing it? You know, I was just, and I'm a little, little kid. <laughs> so that's what kind of turned me off. I went all over the place looking for my people. And when I met my Buddhist teacher, that was it. You know, I was like, I, he made sense to me and he continued to make sense to me, even though I never decided to be a Buddhist. And you could say that that was organized religion, but I'd say it was very disorganized religion. That, you know, for someone who had a, such a spiritual bent from such a you know, early age, from the earliest memory I can think of was that uh, quest, you know, the quest of what is this about? Why am I here? What's the, what's the mission? You know, how can I, how, and probably how can I help? Um, that organized, disorganized religion really um, made sense. But it wasn't like eating porridge that you eat every bite and swallow it like a good girl. It's like they, it's actually really intelligent to be skeptical. So fast forward to now and all the different places I've been and the people I've met and all the different modalities that I've been introduced to, um, I can see how people wanna, um, let go to God. You know, I agree with what Ojo said, that there's a um, almost like a divine orchestration of phenomena, of experience that is like, we only see our personal part of it, but it's, it's perfect. It's like a perfect mandala of enlightened mind, you could say. It's an enlightened situation. We just don't see it as an enlightened situation because we have um, habitual tendencies, I think, to not see it that way. It'd probably freak us out if all of a sudden, bing, you know, 
we saw the truth. But I did have a very interesting ayahuasca journey with Yahe medicine that pretty much, I call it the death experience because it was really evident in the experience, which seemed to go on forever, um, that the whole thing was fabricated. The whole, my take on my life and my spiritual journey and even how I got to drink the medicine, all of that was, was uh, fabrication. It wasn't necessarily true. Wasn't necessarily untrue, but it was it was a fabrication. It was a selection, a selection uh, that I had selected to believe that this, that, or the other had happened, and none of it had ever happened. None of it will ever happen. I was dropped into the now, like, I, like a vice grip of just this. That was all there was, and it, it was the it was heartbreaking because there was it it was such a divorce with uh, everything and everyone that I had formed an attachment to. Every experience that I had relied on, every thing I had read that sounded true, <laughs> every teacher that I would loved, everything that I would held dear was dust. It never was that. It never happened. And that was the day my life completely changed forever because it, it, it's, it was apparent that I was being dreamt, that it, this wasn't my dream, that I was being dreamt, that, and I could choose which version of the dream I wanted to experience. That was it. I could, I could depending on where I put my awareness, I could choose which part of the dream I would be in, but that it wasn't my dream. I was being dreamt by love. Love split to know itself. And some people would maybe call that the divine or God. I think it's love because every it, it occurred to me, all of this happened in one night and a big, you know, dropped off sitting there with my bucket, absolutely nothing going on, and just like, no identity, didn't know my name, never thought I'd drive a car again, never thought I'd drive a car again. <laughs> just like, this is impossible. It is, it's just ridiculous. I can't, what? What do you want from me? I was pissed and amazed at the same time, completely like, covered in all sorts of ex excrement and snot and just like, <laughs> just, just totally gobsmacked that that was the nature of the, that that was the nature of the thing. Right? <laughs> awful, Good job. just awful. <laughs> Crying my brains out. At the same time, I had a sense of humor about it. I'm like, great, so I can write a book about this, and I'm the only one that's going to read it because <laughs> there's no I and other. It's just love that splits to know itself. It's love that splits to know itself in a, in, a, in a myriad of ways that it's always going to be the hat and the bench, the bird and the branch. I've, I've told you this before. It's like that this was like the most controversial realization I've ever had, you know, that even when someone's shooting someone else through the heart, that's love getting to know it, it's love knowing itself like that. It's not biased to, well, that's good, and that's bad, and that's up, and that's down. It's like, it's just happening to know itself like that. Shocking, <laughs> fucking shocking. So, how does this have to do with the God topic? It's thinking that there's something to get or someone to give it or something that you lack? I guess that's my kind of question about God for people that rely on God. It's like, what, what's missing exactly? You know, well, what, what do you need? <laughs> it's a big topic, a big question. Mm-hmm.
Anyway, I'm going to stick with my idea that for now, until I learn something else, something better, <laughs> that this is a, that the, we're being dreamt. <laughs> we are. Uh, I, I do, if I had to vote, if I had to place my ballot, I would say that's probably the closest thing to the truth that I can think of. Although I'd love to discuss this with my Buddhist teacher and see what he thought, but... Why don't you? I uh, probably should. Just, Just thought of it. it. It really never occurred to me. So. <laughs> what? That was lost. <laughs> well, let's get to the let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's get to the meat of it. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite topic. There's a lot of good ones, but this takes the cake. Um. Oh yeah, I said a little silent prayer when you said that at the end of your and called your teacher to talk to us and through us in, in oh, ways. Wow. So we'll see what happens here. <laughs> um. Oh, can I go get his picture before you go out? Okay. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> say from me just reflecting on the repeating fractal holographic reflection as it were which means you know like a funhouse mirror at every angle bigger and smaller surrounding us kind of in a toroid or spherical shape and it's like just a reflection of consciousness or love or God almost as if they're synonyms. Um, Jacob's Ladder kind of comes to me a lot like like the rungs of higher self, like planetary consciousness, galactic consciousness, or like down into the subatomic, up into the cosmic, or like the, the gods from the legends, the archetypes, and then the totality of all the highest high. And I think of just layers of consciousness, but what if Instead of, I'm one person, and I'm this mind, and I'm this body, and these feelings, and these ideas. Kind of like what you said from your medicine journey. And a little background of, I've sat through over 313 um, ayahuasca ceremonies, and I've guided over 250 of them myself. And um, just had all sorts of experiences. And uh, it does feel like it's one. My, my friend Bloom's song kind of coming to me. You have a body and you are a star. You are a soul that's illuminated. You are the creation that you have created. And I think that it's all this simultaneous perspective. Like, to be omniscient, to be all-knowing, isn't just to know everything at the same time from a top-down perspective. Mm -hmm. It's every single limited perspective at the same time imagine that kind of input, but to be so completely enmeshed in love that you have infinite processing power. So it's not at all disorienting, it's not at all overwhelming. You're just completely stepped outside of time with honestly a finite number of still frames. It seems infinite and unfathomable because we're at a certain level of, you know, pretend forgetting. <laughs> but from that state beyond time and space, it's just this perfect mosaic of every moment that ever was in every dimension, mm -hmm. sitting there and being completely harmonious with each other. 
beyond purpose because purpose implies seeking. And so if everything's already created and everything already is, and we happen to be, like in baseball that you throw that doesn't appear to be sentient, traveling in a particular arc through time. But imagine if, like you said, our dream became lucid, not just while you're having a dream, which is kind of common to learn that, but our dream in this life. And we got the ability to travel multidimensionally, like like Babaji and Bogart, who later went into Lao Tzu's body with the Yellow Emperor and the I Ching and all that. Um, there's beings around us, living among us, that sometimes reveal themselves directly and sometimes don't, that have these abilities already. There's all sorts of science, it's just oftentimes from different cultures. And because the bureaucracies are a little bit scared, they're like, just like there's religious dogma, there's cultural dogma, there's legal dogma, and it all says, oh, don't look because we might not feel safe, we might not feel like we're in control. And a friend of mine said, uh, beyond experiences of terror is where we hide some of the best parts of life. Mm -hmm. Where God hides the best parts of life. Actually, wait, that, that wasn't a personal friend, that was Will Smith. A lot of stuff kind of runs <laughs> together. I was watching uh, an inspirational video by him. Can you say it again? He said, he was talking about skydiving. And he said, you know, he was having to stomach ache the night before. Like a bunch of him and his friends were drinking or something for a celebration. And, Good, we're skydiving. Yeah, we're all going to do it. He's like, yeah, me too. I'll totally. And then later at night when he's sober, he's like, I mean, I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, they were drunk too when they said and then, um, you know, <clears throat> so he couldn't sleep, he couldn't enjoy his breakfast, and, you know, he's, like, sitting in this guy's lap, like, trying to make conversation, like, looking back, like, so you got family, right? You got people that you want to see again? <laughs> you want to live! <laughs> you've done this, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> done this a lot of times before. And then, um, you know, it's the worst when they're walking out, and, you know, they're one, two, and they push you on two, because you grab on three, and then immediately it's, like, sheer bliss, and you're like, oh, I'm flying. Look, there's the ocean and stuff. And so I think um, beyond a lot of the most scary stuff, like in tribal culture a long time ago, and our technology gets more synced up with nature in the future, in little pockets of light where people live in intentional communities now, like we're pushing through our fears and we're surrounded by elders and we're surrounded mm -hmm. by empowered people and we're surrounded by all this beauty that reminds us of this stuff. But when we land into a culture, even though we're all kind of coming through different cultures a little bit, but the culture of this time on this planet and the human collective consciousness where things are so conflicted and we're encouraged to hold back and, you know, like you were shut down when you were asking questions about the virgin birth instead of have addressed as a sovereign being and having a discussion with, you know, there's this beautiful opportunity that love, God, our highest self presents us with to step forward and say, this is actually what I feel. This is what I believe. Not to impose that on other beings because, you know, that's kind of irritating since it's our own self and then we just feel constricted. <laughs> and not to hold back and be shy to try to be polite, which is another really common pitfall. Like, dominating would be the masculine imbalance and to be like, oh, you know, it's not really a place for me. That's the, the feminine imbalance. And so what is the lucidity to make the dream lucid? Like, what you are finding in the path to that in this world. Okay, you know, I have a body, I'm a star, I'm a creation I created, but I just feel like this creation and I'm frustrated by the problems of this mind and this heart and this ego. So what is the access point to that lucidity? And of course, you know, there's superfoods, there's meditation, there's community, there's yoga. But if we let go of all the things and just drop directly into the moment of this experience, The thoughts can move by, but we don't have to identify with them. The feelings can be present, but we don't have to resist them or dramatize them. And there's an intrinsic wholeness that's always just sitting there, and nothing can ever change it. The proof is in the pudding, right? It's like consciousness pudding. Lucidity. And so I guess that's my portal to love, is when I let go of my personal anxiety, where I would hold back and my personal excitement where I would try to push something and, you know, make it hold back in the opposite direction <laughs> and mm -hmm. allow, witness, and enjoy the cosmic flow as it is because it's our highest self, right? So 
if we all worked out all of our issues on earth and beyond, and we all fell so in love with each other that we were like family, and then we all fell so in love with each other that we were like beloveds, like deeply, like beyond romance, like the relationship with God at its best, without dogma. And then the master was nowhere to be found because suddenly it's on the inside and we're all mm -hmm. one. That, beyond time and space, perfectly in love with everything and totally whole, is what's coordinating this whole thing. The perfect loving understanding. What's holding this illusion at a particular angle. So, no shadow government, no conspiracies about a lot of things that are actually happening, but they're just such a small piece of the picture. It's like, why is... God, our highest, kindest self, creating all these levels of deception, forgetting. And then the answer, what's the answer to every question? Love. Science. Science! It's one of my catchphrases, um, podcast, and has this music handle, Alchemist MC. And it's about all the different music and levels of consciousness coming together to create what I call the Sovereign Symphony which is when every being totally sets themselves free and stops reacting to dogma. <sighs> They're not trying to coordinate with each other or be the same. From that independence, when all the fierceness melts off and nobody's repressing themselves, the kind of the drama melts away, that sort of teenagery angst where you want to overexpress it kind of melts away. And then these joyful expressions happen to be like best coordination between music or dancers or synchronized swimmers or what have you, flash mob, mm. that you would ever see. And it's conducted by the nonlinear higher mind that's beyond time and space instead of a, a mm. person that's trying to use their limited faculties to conduct it. So our collective and individual lucidity comes from the compound momentum of continuous presence. And we're encouraged to stay present by our own and each other's love. Like, hey, it's not so scary because people aren't trying to shut me down here. I kind of have a, a dialogue with me, you know? Like, my child senses God directly without anyone shoving it down his throat. So there's some deep validation there that I'm around every day. And as I guide, I guide it. I'm guided. And so any connection that we have to anything is just kind of our relationship with God as the beloved and our own self. Maybe we can let go of all those distant friendships and, en and enemies that are just further echoes, how close can we see the language of everything in our entire lives to our own self? And I believe that that sort of standpoint from Buddhism is more of an invitation than a, it's not God. It's more like, take a direct look and experience for yourself right. what God is to you. Ah, wow, that was a good one. <laughs> What science? Science! <laughs> As the uh, sister stated earlier, is in actuality the reality, as it turns out, of what's happening here. As many folks who've taken a DMT trip, LSD, what have you, um, that the experience which we're experiencing is like a myriad of things, like just kind of happening all at once, and we can choose, as uh, as the sister said, what was it? You choose uh, the version of the dream that you want to participate in. You can choose the version. <laughs> Let's sit with that for just a second, please, for me. For me. You can choose the version. <laughs> Oh, we are all collectively getting to understand that. And that is going to look.
look like quite the fucking thing. Mm. Ooh, we're all collectively, slowly and surely co-creating. Mm? The paradise slowly, it's a process, it's a plan, you know, it's not gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing the version, that is just such a, thank you for that, that's such a, a great concept, and if I could, I'm going to bring it into something that's happening for me personally, um, with my husband, the love of my life, who is, whose physical body is disintegrating. And um, and I'm realizing that um, choosing the version and loving what is is just a great reminder. Mm. That's where where I'm challenging myself to go. Mm. I'm not gonna talk too much because actually I'm physically I have no energy so I'm not feeling great, but um, but the whole concept of letting go um, and releasing and that's been my journey for the last few years and every possible form that you can imagine um, to the point where the universe <laughs> was very very clear about me not having stuff and has <laughs> stripped <laughs> me of everything which is really interesting at the beginning it was like it was resistance and then at the end it's just like nothing like you can't have like that had to be my journey clearly and uh for whatever reason, perhaps I wouldn't have learned the lessons I needed if I had held on to anything. So I just had to let go of everything. Um, and yeah, that was, that's been, that's been, what has it been? Mm. Yeah, um, uh, illuminating, painful, um, uh, what else has it been? Yeah. Wonderful, terrible, liberating. Um, but uh, so yeah, that's been that's been the concept, the the reality for me is the hundred percent release. It's like releasing everything, emotional, physical, spiritual, you name it. It's like let it go. I'm still in it, but um, but <laughs> the acceptance part I think is is much more pronounced now. sometimes fall into more questions. <laughs> and right now, the one that's that I've got my teeth around is why did this journey ever need to happen in the first place? Why? What's behind it? It's like the journey that never needed to be taken. So it's such an irony. That's the cosmic joke, I'm pretty sure. The one I heard about all through Buddhism, the cosmic joke, haha, uh -huh. is really pretty interesting. Because you never needed to take the first step. It's, it's going to plant you right back where you already are. It's already there. <laughs> You're already completely arrived, but you don't know it. So you have to go through all these epic adventures and try out all these different things and make a bazillion mistakes and fuck up and come back and do this and that. And it's, it's like traveling the world and you, 
your eyes open and you never moved from your spot. You're always there. Wherever you go, there you are, you know? That's craziness. That's that's crazy wisdom right there. <laughs> I guess I'm my father's daughter, right? Yes. <laughs> is what really strikes me. It's so poignant. All of it. I'm amazed. And it, and it gets you. At least it gets me. It gets me. Like, oof. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the whole point. Like what you were saying. is like you're Love is the deal. Love is the answer to all the questions. <laughs> one answer. That one thing. But one thing that Joe Dispenza says a lot, and who I respect very deeply, is there's always more love. There's always more. Just when you think, I can't experience any more love, that's gotta be the most love there is, right there. Then, then it, like, then it, then it, goes again, you know, it's like there's always more. Nego hmm? Negotiate with spirit for clarity. Work with it. I am always negotiating. You know, whenever I take any medicine or do anything um, at all, I that's what I'm seeking is clarity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ask what and how instead of why. What and how? What do I need to know? How do I need to know it? That kind of thing. There's an essence of togetherness with what and how. Right. Why is more of a challenge? Like, hey, why are you doing that? Well, I'm speaking in the context of the God topic. I'm like, you know, I'm talking about the root uh, um, motivation is to figure figure the thing out. You know, it's, it's almost like a, um, a, a concept of enlightenment that turns out not to be true, you know? It's like there is n no uh, enlightenment, no, no moment where everything is completely clear. I just stand corrected. I'm sure there is, actually. Yeah, so. So there you go. <laughs> you want this attitude. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> You're like a little kid going. Just because there's wholeness, 
doesn't mean that we can't celebrate or explore or forget to remember, even though we already remember. Maybe it's a little different, that whole ultimate omniscient perspective of knowing and feeling everything with perfect love. And like down here, we're so used to something being missing, being the motivation for all of our actions. But for a moment, contemplate the mind of God. And I'm not talking about, you know, the judgmental white dude on the throne from the Judeo-Christian thing. I'm not talking about, like, the strange, mysterious, like, Egyptian or Indian goddess with, like, all the armies and stuff like that. That's just aspects. I mean, like, the androgynous beloved I am. Like, uh, say there's the father and mother of the whole universe, and they're embraced sitting in Yabyum, like that tantric mm-hmm. thing where they sit in each other's laps. And there's deep love, and they're aligned, and they merge into one. And it's just some total of all of this. It's not the magnetic feminine principle or the electric masculine principle. There's no force of change or movement. It's just the unstruck sound or the total stillness that is the standing way for the illusion. Like beyond time and space, there's this force holding it all in place that has infinite strength because it has infinite love. And even though there's no limit to it, it's all because it's fully aware. And so we can cause a lack of awareness without a purpose to complete or make something greater. It's not like the idea of a creator God within time that's creating and learning along with us. It's the idea of the sum total of all creation, just living in perfect love. Hmm. And is that built into our hearts to be the most fun thing, the most inspiring thing right now? If we have all the power in the universe, but some of it is literally used call it subconscious, superconscious, whatever you want. We're not aware, but like a governor on a go-kart that won't let the kid drive so fast that they flip it if they turn really fast. Our consciousness has a governor that allows us to awaken in sequence. When the electromagnetic field of our heart stimulates our, not just our pineal gland, our third eye, but our pituitary gland, our crown, that also produces DMT instead of breaking down the DMT. Mm. And we have a natural and continuous mystical experience, a stabilized awakening. You could call a short one a samadhi, and you could call a continuous, stabilized one enlightenment, the birth of a baby master. There's so many ways to look at it, but imagine that instead of reaching towards that perfection or trying to figure something out, it's all figured out, and that's the cosmic joke. And when you experience it directly instead of as a concept, instead of being like, wow, that's beautiful, you're like, you can't stop laughing, or you can't stop crying, kind of both, you're like, all this tension that I was imagining is completely relieved. Like, um, when people pass away, people travel far away, you have a breakup or something like that, there's this really strong, like, I can't feel this, this connection to this person or this part of myself that I feel when I'm near them. And then, ultimately, whether you pass away or it's a few months or it's in a moment because you pray about it right away, you can connect to that same feeling, you can connect to that same person, that same other soul or that same aspect of spirit, which is the sum total of all soul. Spirit, like branching out into souls. Um, Are we choosing to be complete? And maybe our lack of completion is less dramatic if we admit to ourselves I'm choosing from a place of completeness Mm. to pretend to be incomplete. That's good. Mm. And it's, I'm choosing from a place of completeness to pretend to be incomplete. That's good. And suddenly, it doesn't seem quite so poignant, I guess. Can I ask you a question? Sure. That what you said about um, the governor on the go kart. Um, yeah, on the go kart. So that it's um, measured almost like, um, and so that you could be stabilized. Is that because at the the heart of everything is uh, compassion? That. Because the whole thing is is love. Um, Love cares so much. You could say that that's grace, right? The the idea that 
the, the perfect thing happens at the perfect time, uh, in the perfect way, that's grace. Mm -hmm. It could happen a different way, a, 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 a bitter way, but there's, a, there's almost like a slight bias toward sweetness. Even when, um, even when you're learning a hard lesson or you've been through hell or whatever the heck, you know, um, there's a slight bias toward sweetness. Like, I've kind of lost my train of thought, but I don't know if you understand. I, I understand. Okay, can you say more about that? Sure. So if the silence were to be neutral, like when you close your eyes, when you go to sleep, you're not quite asleep yet. When you wake up, if you're ever not thinking anything, and you're just sitting there in your body being 